Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 170 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being here this week and thanks for tuning into the podcast. Now if you can cast your mind back to episode 65, it's almost two years ago. I had a young man on the podcast called Oshin O'Callaghan and that episode I named him the next Irish threat and I'm happy to say I think I was correct. The young man has went from strength to strength. He is now the 2020 Junior World Downhill Champion. And it was awesome to get him back on the show. I think maybe at the time when I was chatting to him in episode 65 there, I did say if he was to become world champion, because that's what his goal was, if he would come back on the show. And he has kindly said yes. And his father, Chris, has also agreed to come on. The show. I'd also Chris on the podcast a few episodes before that. Um, I think it was maybe 63, 62, something like that, chatting about Ballyhurra mountain bike trails and what Chris is doing there. But we did chat about Oshin and how Chris, as a father, was helping his son, you know, realize those dreams and, and help him with his passion of becoming a world class mountain bike rider. And he is certainly well, well on his way. So after his success in twenty twenty, we got Oshin back on, we chatted to him and Chris about everything that was going on the last couple of years, what it was like, the feelings that Oshin was feeling. He's still only seventeen years old of being the junior world champion. We also chat to him about signing with YT and how that team has helped and what it's like being a part of that professional environment and racing with a professional team. We also chat to Chris about how he's helped Oshin over the last couple of years and how he continues to help him with his training and his everyday routine and balancing the social life of a 17-year-old to knowing what has to be done to stay at the top of the game at this level. And, you know, even back a couple of years ago when I was talking to Oshin, when he was only 15, you know, his passion was there, his motivation was there, his vision was there. He just knew what he wanted to be. He wanted to be world champion, as simple as that. So we get into all that and we chat to him, obviously, about his off-season, what he's planned with YT. And we chat to him about the 2021 season, what his visions and goals are for that, plus lots of other little bits in there. So it was great to get the guys back on the podcast as well, this time as a father and son team. So without further ado, let's get the lads on and let's welcome Chris and Oshin to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi Chris and Oshin, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. It's amazing to have you guys back on the podcast again. You have had quite an exciting year so far, right? Yeah, well, I suppose it all started last October, so exactly nearly 12 months. Yeah, great, great. And just, just before we get into stuff, before we get started, Oshin, I just want to say congratulations, man. You're you're the 2020 Junior World Champion. How does that feel? Um, a bit overwhelming as something you've dreamed of for years has come a reality. 
Yeah, it's cool. And, you know, we had you on the podcast roughly about two years ago, right? Yeah. And I named that episode The Next Irish Threat. And I think I was maybe right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. When I was chatting to you, like two years ago, you were, I think you had just turned 15 or something then, right? You weren't yeah. that, you know. Yeah, just 15. Yeah. And I remember chatting to you on that call. And when I was writing up the show notes and stuff afterwards, I thought, you know what? That young guy is so motivated. He's so switched on. He really knows what he wants. Because when I, I remember when I asked you, and you, you probably won't remember this, but I remember when I asked you what you wanted from mountain biking, you said without any hesitation, you didn't have to think about it. You didn't say, well, I would like to do this or like you just said, I want to be world champion. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I knew then that, you know, you had something and also with your dad, because I had your dad on a few episodes before you chatting about the Ballyhurra mountain, mountain bike trails and with your dad's support and everything else, and we chatted about a, a bit about you on that on that show with your father. I knew with the support your dad was giving you and stuff that it was a really really good team. So, um, like like how does it feel, guys? You know, you're back home now in Ireland. How does it feel? Has anything changed much? Uh, not really. It's just back to your average off season, back training, getting ready for next season because the races have obviously ended a lot later, and usually we will. We would be back training now at this stage, so it's no mm. different than any other year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you've been working up to this point, Oshin, obviously, and, and this is one of the things that I'm sure was on your bucket list. Now that you've done it, are you are you looking at any other directions? Are you looking at things differently? Um, or are you going, are you attacking next season the same? Uh, it still feels the same as before no nothing's any different but next season i'd like to be junior world champion again two-time the two-time junior world champion would be pretty cool and i'd like to get the overall win next year since i truly yeah 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 we'll we'll chat about that in a wee minute here um and chris just let me bring you in here at this point uh before we chat about the races and stuff with oshin like you're bound to be proud of your boy right yeah um it's a strange one because, you know, the biggest compliment I take from the race circuit over the last couple of years was just the the way Ocean respects his fellow athletes, um, the way he just gets on with people in general. So I suppose from a parent's point of view, you, you, all you want is for your kid to be um, a moral and sound individual. And obviously, we before he won the World Championships, obviously, we, we were happy with that. And people that are in his company um, are obviously quite happy with that as well. So... I suppose that's what made the world champs then kind of just a little bit more surreal because you're, you know, as somebody said to us that um, good things happen to good people. Now, obviously, I suppose we struggle to take a compliment, but maybe that's just it. Maybe by just being pleasant, maybe the universe decides to reward you somewhere or another. So, yeah, obviously, we'd be exceptionally proud of the fact that Russian stood up in the day and figured out of what he needed to do um, to win. Um, but I suppose you can only be so proud and it's what you do in every day um, as a human being. It's probably the, the true um, quest as a parent, anyhow, that you're really after. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, we're, we're just in a good space, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. Sounds great. Um, you know, and it's funny, um, I had Bec McConnell on the podcast and she's she's an XC racer. She races for the Mondragor team, the elite team there. Um, and she came, she got a couple of seconds and a third and she came fourth overall and stuff. But she was saying, and I want to know if it's the same as yourselves, she's been racing from a very, very young age. So when she turned professional and when she was racing in the UCI and all this kind of stuff, it kind of seemed natural to her. You know, the, the step up to professional wasn't that big a jump because she had been taking those kind of steps as she was getting older and entering different categories. Did you guys find that the same? Yeah. It always started, well, each year you go up, it's always, you expect yourself to go up a category, well, every two years. And always set bigger goals. So when you're finished your time in the youth and when you go into junior, it's just what you see everyone else doing and it's just what you want to do then. Yeah, because I suppose the guys that were in youths with you there, some of them are moving up to juniors as well. So you're seeing the same faces and, and things like that. So you just kind of all move together. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, man. You guys bound to have some crack. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was no after this parties this year so they'll have to wait till next year yeah 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 that's maybe a good thing yeah exactly uh, yeah uh so oshin how did you feel after your leo gang world championships result you came first you became world champion how did you feel about that what was your initial your initial kind of reaction um it didn't really sink in for ages i suppose the first time it really sunk in was probably qualifying in Maribor when I seen pictures and videos of me wearing the jersey. And But we didn't really have much time to settle down too much as the day after we left to go to Slovenia for Maribor. So it was like straight on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have much time to process it. Well, I know back home here and everywhere, really, the social stuff was going off the charts. Your face was in every other social post on my feed. Uh, things were going crazy with your, your qualifying and everything else. Uh, we chatted a wee bit before we hit record there, but you guys kind of kept out of that, right? You stayed away from that whole thing and just concentrated on, on what you had to do? Yeah, I try and not go on my phone too much over a race weekend, just try and stay off social media. Yeah, just stay focused, right? Yeah. And Chris, was that something you had? Did you have to take the phone out of Oshin's hand? No, um, the beauty is with, um, <laughs> with, from Martin's point of view, um, the, the lads just, the whole team is quite professionals that they just know what's expected. So they seem to all have the same um, attitude within the camp, you know, to keep the phone to a minimum and, you know, concentrate what needs to be done, whether it be recovery or, you know, track walk. So, from my point of view, I really probably only saw she maybe for three, four minutes a day. Um, for really? That. Yeah, because obviously the the restrictions with um, Leo Gang um, and the pods and not being able to get in around the pits. And then I was quite happy. I needed to let Oshin off so he could blend with the team and see what way the team was working. So um, I didn't get any accreditation until basically 10 minutes before Oshin's race run simply because the COVID test came back inadequate and then I had to go for another test and didn't come back till Saturday night. So for that whole week, I was sitting outside the venue. Um, 
Wow. As, as some people refer to, the, they knew where my office was, which was basically a timber bench beside the coffee machine. Um, <laughs> so, but it gave me time to reflect, and it just made it all the sweeter, um, because then the team were doing what they had promised to do. Yeah, very good. And Oshin, you're with the YT mob, um, and this was your first year with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to chat about that to you about that a wee bit later, um, about that team set up and all how that's helped things. Um, so you were you're at Leo Gang and then, you know, five days later basically you were at Maribor um at the World Cup number one there, and you won that as well. Like how did you approach that race? Were you were you expecting to win? Were you doing anything different? Did did becoming world champion did that affect you in any way going into that race in Maribor? Um no. Seeing that I could win um, Leo Gang, I knew I could do it again. So my aim was, and all racers do like to win. So I had planned, well, I was hoping to win that one, and I was going for it. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And then you won round two as well. You came first as well. So you were on you were on a real row. That's three in a row. Like, yeah. like how, how did you feel? Like, obviously... You, you seem very level-headed, Chan, here. You know, you seem very, like, nothing really. But you've bound, you bounty were feeling something there. Like, you, you, you bounty were feeling, wow, I've just won three in a row here. This is amazing. Like, what were your team and all doing then? Like, what were the people around you like? Uh, they were all, every time I came down, they were just like, <laughs> again. <laughs> it was, yeah, it wasn't something I was expecting to do myself to do as a the first year junior coming into the first three races yeah yeah and you know obviously the yt guys signed you on for a reason right you know they seen they seen what you had and they signed you on for a reason but were those guys surprised as well or were they just like well it's it's what Oshin does you know um i suppose in a way they were surprised for my first race coming out and winning it was a bit of a, a surprise, but once I won World Champs, they sort of expected that I could win the rest of them in Maribor and then in Lausa as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to have that back. And now, chat to us about Lausa because that just really didn't go to plan for you. You had a, you had a couple of setbacks there can you talk us through those couple of races and what happened yeah in the first one i got a flat tire so in the same place as larice Vergier. so both of us came from maribor winning both the world cups leading the overall we both got a flat tire in the same spot yeah. so that uh brought the people behind me in the overall a lot closer so the overall was quite tight then while i had a big lead before that and then going into the second or the fourth round of the World Cups, the second race in Lausa, for me, I didn't want to win the overall without winning another race. So I wanted to win that last World Cup and then I would have been happy winning the overall. So I just crashed in a small little tight corner about halfway down the track and went off. Yeah, yeah. And we all seen the, the photos of your shirt and all torn and stuff like that. Um, like, looking back on that now, 
like you're still only 17 but looking back on that now how do you feel do you think you pushed a little too hard would you would you hold back a little bit now if you had to do it again to get the overall um it's definitely what happened i definitely learned from which is good obviously as a junior this is a season or a year you're meant to be learning and so that when you go into elites you're you've learned lots of stuff and you're you know how to race better so it wasn't looking back it wasn't the worst thing that could have happened it's coming second in the overall would have still been really good in like as my goal coming into the season i'd goal set and that was still way past my expectations to come in the overall so i'm still really happy Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Like you done, you done absolutely amazing. Um, coming off that fourth race and not winning the overall, like how did that make you feel? Did it, did it hurt your confidence a little, or were you okay with that? I was pretty okay with it. It was just, it definitely within half hour afterwards, it just made you hungry to start training for the year after. Yeah, you see, that's the sign of a pro, man. That's a sign of a professional right there. I think we were all got it more for you than you were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were the boys like slapping and cursing at screens and getting on. And yeah, like, wow. Whereas you as professional dudes, not like us weekend warriors, you as professional dudes, you just brush it off and get on with the next, the next thing you have to do to get better and improve. Uh, like, how does it set you up for next season? Does it make you want to train harder? Does it make you want to go at this thing even more so? Um, seeing the rainbow jersey hanging up in the gym definitely makes you push that little bit harder and knowing that you were so close to winning the overall that it definitely makes you want to go get it next year. Yeah, good stuff. Um, now, I want to ask you just briefly... Did you approach the 2020 season any different from previous years? Now, in, in 2019, you were you were killing it then as well. You know, first, first, second, second, fourth, second, first, second, first, second. You know, it just keeps going. Did you approach Did you approach this season any different now that you were in juniors and stuff? Um, no, except for it was the same as every other season. The way I trained, did it everything the same. Just the only other thing that I didn't do that was different was I went to Morzine for longer during the summer. Usually I would have been racing, so I was just there for all the summer, just doing laps, getting quicker, which mm-hmm. seemed yeah. And that was because of the COVID pandemic and stuff? Yeah, just we didn't have any races, so I was just out riding my bike. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose that helped you, right? With the team there with you, with the YT guys there with you? Um, no, Angel came out for a small bit while I was there and he, we were riding together. But for most of it, I was just with my dad. Yeah, yeah, very cool, man. Awesome, awesome. Now, Chris, yeah, you were all the races, I take it, yeah? Yeah, it was... Um, uh, we were up as... Well, we were there all summer um, until after uh, the World Champs and then I vanished to come home at the camp, the motorhome, the camper, um, just to get it back out of Europe. Um, and then obviously lockdown happened then again here. So I said, well, may as well be quarantined outside in the Portuguese hills, quarantined here. 
So I flew back out then for the Portuguese races and with a friend of mine. Um, so I just missed the Maribor races. And even though people were thinking, oh, you could have stayed there, I just wanted to let Oshin off as well on his own with the team and not have a parent at the end of a track. Um, because that's obviously what he's going to be getting used to later on. So every time we do something, it's always with a purpose that it'll pay off dividends in a year or two years, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I was going to ask you that because I know uh, speaking with you previously and speaking with Oshin, having Oshin on the podcast previously, you had a lot obviously to do with, you know, training, getting them racing, all the mechanical side of stuff. You had a lot to do with that. And your input was always there. And I was going to ask now that Oshin's on the YT team and he's in juniors and stuff, have you pulled back a little bit from those kind of responsibilities? Oh, well, uh, I would on the race weeks and I let the team take over. And obviously that's then the, the cutting edge of the ultimate professionals in that sense. That's obviously the mechanics, you've Martin and obviously Martin's team. Um Whereas I'd still keep tipping away at the building blocks that we, we kind of base our racing off. So obviously when we were away for so many months, um, we were just doing like normal. Um, and Martin and the team obviously trust our process as well as the other racers' processes in relation to getting the athletes ready for that particular race week. Um, but probably Leo Gang was the first time where you kind of felt, um, okay, I've... I'd always visualise it was going to happen, so it wasn't that much of a shock. But there was probably a bit of an anticlimax after doing so much that you nearly missed the, the stress of it in one mm -hmm. way. Um, but at this, it is what it is. I don't, you know, you, like anything else, it's no different than changing jobs. You just adapt and try and learn how to adapt as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it was all good. Everything that happens, despite it might be uncomfortable, it's still a positive. Um, and we would have taken it a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know everything you do there is to kind of help Oshin and, and, you know, further his racing career. Yeah. Um, and you've been like that since day one, I know. Um, like, when he gets to this level now, when he's up here and he's winning world championships, how's the stress levels? How's the nerves at this time? They're, they're, they're not. They were actually worse when Ushin started racing because obviously you, you don't know what ability that your your race, your son or your kid or your your racer has. Um, so it's probably more anxious for the first couple of races back in Klangalen and the BDSs. Um, but now obviously you trust Ushin and his own process, so you know it's no different than somebody driving a car at the start and somebody driving after twenty years. You know the reality is yes things can always go wrong, but the, the chances are if they're ever going to go wrong, it's probably at the start, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so again, just trust the process um, and not let the, we, I definitely would work a lot on disengaging the brain or the emotions um, and not let the mind ramble off, you know, because I think the mind can be a dangerous thing if you let it out of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask how much of a mental coach are you for Oshin because obviously you've been in the industry for a long time and, you know, you obviously have experience and stuff and you can you can help Oshin at, at those times. Like, do you find yourself doing that? We, you know, yeah, over the we would have worked um, over the years. We've always chatted about the importance of, you know, 
keeping the calm, you know, if, anytime you get overly excited, it's very seldom things work out no matter what game you're in, even if it's work in an office, you know. Um, so while we were away last summer, we had our own exercises that we were doing and we would have, we would have put a lot of work into that aspect without turning it into a chore. It would have been just small little increments. Um, and Oshin obviously believes in the, again, the process that we have. Um, yeah, so there, there is, there, there's a huge bit, but again, it's, again, you could overcomplicate it and the trick is not to overcomplicate it and just keep your body in a, in a form of homeostasis and just enjoy the ride. That's really it. Um, and I'm sure Oshin has been quoted himself in various aspects, you know, that I think in some of the interviews it was just like home because that's important. You have to ride like you do at home with a little bit more of an urgency, but you can't let the, let it get out of control. Yeah, yeah. You have to keep it fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I think Oshin touched on that in our last our last podcast together. He was saying that he, he wanted to keep it fun and that was very important to him. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. All right, bro, let's chat... Let's chat about sponsorship and let's chat about the YT mob crew and all there. Because previous to that, you were on Trek Ireland Racing. Um, so how did the YT thing come about? Um, it first started with the Young Talent Camp. There was six of them all over the world. And they picked eight people from the six. And there was 300 people all together that got like contested and signed up for it and eight people went to Spain in uh, Granada to where the YT Mob HQ is and we all they basically marked out two tracks and we done a track walk in each then we done timed runs and but I was for me I didn't get to do any timed runs because on the first day of riding I hurt my wrist on the first run so that put me out of action for that whole week and it was kind of frustrating watching everyone else doing timed runs trying to contest for the two positions on the YT mob and I was sitting there doing basically nothing <laughs> yeah wow wow so this is something you signed up for yeah and they accept they obviously look at your past record and other stuff you've done etc etc and then the invited eight of you to Spain to take part in this. It kind of sounds like that Pink Bike Academy. Are you watching that at the minute? Yeah. <laughs> it's very like that, isn't it? Yeah. Did you have to do stuff like that? Did you have to do mechanical work? Did you have to go out and take photos? Did you have to tell them why you were picking certain lines? Did you have to do all that kind of thing? Um. Well, it started, for us, it first started in... Um. Fort William, because there was people got selected from, there was 30 people in each camp all around the world. So there were six camps, and then from each camp, one, one person got selected. But from wow. ours, Fort William, there was three. But it only, there was only eight people from the eight camps, you could say. Mm-hmm. Wow, and like, how was that feeling? That must have been surreal, right? Seeing something like that and being involved with all these riders. Like, what were the other riders like? Did you know many of them? Yeah, I knew um, 
three other ones that were also came from my camp in Fort William. That's the one I went to. Right, cool, cool. So how did how did you end up getting chosen then, considering you weren't allowed to really do anything because of your injury that week? Um, I suppose they seen what results I'd done during that summer, and they'd seen what I, my riding style and how I rode in Fort William early in the year. Yeah, so so they were pretty keen with that and signed you on. How, Chris, I, I suppose you were involved in that. They would have had to have brought you on because of Oshin's age and stuff. Uh, how many pages of paper were, were there to go through? Uh, well, the first camp in Fort William, um, we were we were there for the BDS anyway for that particular race weekend. And so that was your Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then obviously... YT first camp um, was on the Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So obviously you just filled, you know, the usual application form and then you sign um, a contract, you know, in relation to nothing major, just again, protecting the financial costs and the time that YT are obviously giving you. So it was all fairly straightforward and just what you'd expect. And then obviously we got the nod saying that Velushin was one of, uh, one of the finalists, but we didn't know who the other two finalists were, um, even though we knew that one or two maybe from the Fort William camp were picked. Um, and then obviously the, you know, Martin and obviously the IT mob had to be careful that during the summer that if, you know, a young fella could get poached maybe by um, somebody else and then meanwhile you've taken a place from other, some other youngsters. So all, all Martin was asking was that out of decency, look, if you're going to go someplace, just basically please let me know SAP. And if you do, obviously... Um, that's that's fine too. So there was nothing major in it. It was straightforward. And then obviously the the big thrill was to get to Granada and not know who the other individuals were for the final finals camp, which was a full week. Mm. So again, Martin covered all those costs. So it was it, it was really it was it was like X Factor. Really, it's the only way you could describe it. <laughs> and that's that's genuine, genuinely what it was like. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the weather yeah, was. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, how do you feel the likes of YT doing stuff like that? The the opportunity for these young guys, like, it's pretty amazing, right? It's came a long way. Well, when when you think of uh, so many companies talk about you know the use of the sports and the same old paragraphs, but yet very few do anything for it. Even the ones that have potential, huge potential, they still do very little for them, and to a certain extent, simply because of you know, financial um, uh, reasons or whatever the case may be. But we'd say when you when you buy into, we'd say Marcus Flossman and what YT stand for and the reason that Marcus got into the business, um, you'd have to say that he's cunt, he genuinely must have an interest in the youth and the love of the sport because where else would you have got it when you think with the business and he's still nurturing the youth um, and has done in the past, as we know from previous racers. So they're probably the only company out there that are quite happy to bring somebody from nowhere and nurture them all the way through. Now there obviously is other companies that have done it as well, but mm-hmm. never, I suppose, never would you give the platform to, right, two out of the eight got picked, but don't forget the profile that the other six would have got also was very, very good for them with possibility of getting taken by other teams. So, you know, um, I just thought it was, there's definitely a huge opportunity there for other companies to, to do something similar. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. It's uh, it's a good framework for sure. Now, Oshin, when you got to sign your papers, how how were you feeling then? Well, it was a dream come true, really signing for a professional race team as it's something you've always wanted and seen your idols do from a young age, riding all the new bikes in the big race truck with the big pits right at the bottom of the track, having your own mechanic, everything you need, and all you have to do is focus on racing. It's just ideal. Yeah, yeah. Like, And I wanted to ask you what the team were like to work with, you know, like how they encourage you, how they support you. Like what kind of stuff do they do for you? Um, everyone gets on really well. So I have my own mechanic that comes up to the top with me and he has my warm-up bike. Then we have a guy called Paul who makes up all of our food, gets everything ready, gives the mechanic all our water bottles what we want inside them so we don't have to worry about forgetting like a drink at the top then martin works out and checks all the emails what times we have to be up there makes out all the timetables so we have a timetable for every race and we know what to do so it's just everything's like clockwork just runs smoothly wow yeah so Basically, what they're asking you to do is focus on the track, focus on racing, focus on yourself, forget about all this other stuff that's ready for you to go. Like, how much does that help you? You know, mentally and physically, how much does that help you at the top of that that run? It definitely eliminates lots of stuff you have to think about. So all you have to do is, like, when you come to the bottom of a run, you don't have to worry about, oh, is the bike tyre pressure's ready for the next run because the mechanic has already checked that so you can just concentrate think how your last run went and be ready for the next one and concentrate yeah yeah cool and like how much input do you have into your bike setup and stuff you know can you do you speak to the mechanic and say look you know this maybe felt a little stiff or et cetera, et cetera. Can you, can you chat to them like that and get feedback and work all that into your setup and stuff? Yeah. I, with the mechanic, I'd always ask, Oh, what do you think about dropping a PSI or well, mainly I would talk to Angel, me and Angel get on really well. So if I had a question, Angel's been racing a long time and knows a lot about bike setup and feels a lot and, knows how the bike works really well so i'd ask him about if i should change something on the suspension or tires or anything got to do with the bike but sometimes if we want we can go to geordie over at fox as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah and who's angel what what does he do with yt he's a writer okay okay all right so has he been with yt for a while or yeah he's been with him five years Wow, okay. Yeah, so he'll know the bikes well, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, for you, did YT, do they expect anything? Do they pressurize you for results? Did they do anything like that? No. It's just post some social media every now and then, just represent the brand, do your best. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. Now, being on a team like YT, 
a professional setup. Has that played a part in your results this season, do you think? Um, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, and it's just the help you get, right? It's just everything that the team brings, and I suppose that's that's why they're there. If you hadn't that team environment, do you think your results would have been as good? Um, no. Yeah, yeah. It's well, just... I don't know, because you're switched on anyway, so I'm not sure about that. But how do you think it helps in that kind of aspect? It definitely, they just let you focus on what you have to do, which is concentrate, on dialing in your lines, getting quick, having to just basically focus on getting from the top of the track to the bottom as quick as possible. And without mm-hmm. their help, you wouldn't be able to do that. Just your brain physically wouldn't be able to think of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And does the like of Angel, do you walk the track with Angel and do you just choose lines? Do you just choose different lines? Or would you try and stay on the same line? And, and how does that work? Um, we'd all go up as a team to walk, track, walk. But I'd walk the track with Angel beside him most of the time. And his mechanic, Ancho, who's also from Spain. So sometimes, most of the time, we have the same lines. But obviously, other riders have different preferences of how they ride. I'm a smaller rider, so I can take the corners tighter than he might have to because he's a lot taller than me. Most of the time, we're pretty similar in line choice. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose you find that a benefit as well. He's he's ridden all these places before, um, and I'm, I'm sure that helps with you. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Now, what are the bikes like? How are you getting on with those beasts? Um, really good, obviously, from my results this year. It's showing. It <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would hate to think how good you would be if you didn't like the bikes. That would be pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what bike are you on? I'm on the YT Choose Twenty Nine. It's a size regular, which is a medium in most other bikes. Yeah. And did you get onto those bikes straight away? Did you like them as soon as you rode them, or did it take you a bit of time to get used to it? I settled into it pretty quick. Just with the big wheels, fit me good. I just felt comfortable on it from the start. Yeah. Is that the first time you've been riding 29ers or? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. And you, you got used to those straight away. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Cool. You'll not go back now, right? No. Are you riding mullet? Uh, not just yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's too it's so trendy this mullet thing at the minute right i know it's good <laughs> uh, and chris if i can just ask you like how have you seen things change since oshin signed with whitey Ooh, uh, not a not a whole pile because again we just like we were saying earlier we just stick to the process obviously the confidence i would imagine like any young boy or girl when you know you get a new job or whatever you know you get a bit of confidence that the, the, the people that hire you have confidence in you so that's obviously when I bring you up a couple of notches um and then you know when you when you have the backup and I suppose just with the the target years ago was to try and get onto a team so obviously we achieved that goal so you you enjoy that and you appreciate the process and just be grateful all right you've got so far um 
So we, we didn't, uh, so I, I suppose realistically the biggest um, gain was that, and I said this earlier in the previous um, interview, was that Ushing now felt as if, okay, well, this is my job and I have to represent the people that have trusted in me. Um, so it allows Ushing to train harder and train more professionally. Um, even during the summer, you know, I saw Ushin sacrifice and going out riding with his friends um, to train because he just knew that he'd work to do, you know, if that means doing picking your five, six fast laps um, and your buddies might be gone over someplace else that you might want to ride. Um, and Ushin just said, well, I have to do my fast laps. You know, it's like classed as homework in school. So that mm. was probably, um, to me, that was probably the biggest change this year that I realized and saw Ushin that was willing to be very mature about the trust that YT and the YT mob with Martin had put in him. Um, and that to me then showed, okay, well, if you're willing to grab this this fast, um, it'll definitely pay dividends over the next couple of years because obviously he's just going to get a better, be a professional, a better professional, I should say, um, as the years go on, you know, and more seasoned and tidying up the racecraft a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like, I always find it interesting, you know, with young talent and stuff. Like, do you feel being in that environment and, and seeing what Oshin has gone through and is now with the professional team, do you feel... Like with any young talent, they need the support of, you know, a big industry player or a professional team to be successful. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I sp- it would be very, very hard for, again, simply because they're young um, at 17. It's very hard for a young 17-year-old or 16-year-old to have that killer instinct of confidence to win if you feel that all the people you're against um, are on teams. So obviously you do have that um, extra little bit of an edge um, if you are on the team. But then again, there's plenty of other racers that are on teams that don't perform. So then you're down to really, does it come down to a combination of that between mental preparation um, and a little bit of support from a team or a little bit of mental preparation and a huge amount of support from a team. So I think it just varies on the individual. Um, could it be done? Yes, it could. Um, but then somebody would have to play, take up the role of um, a manager, cook, chef, you know, and that seems to be the big thing is that one person cannot do what a team are doing when there's five or six professional adults on that same team. You know, it's just not physically possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's There's so many small parts to it, isn't there? Like there's so much goes into it. There, and it is, it's, it's a case of, um, you know, it, as somebody says, it's uh, when hard work meets opportunity, you know, um, mm. and then it's, it's just, you know, on another given day, it might not happen. So you just, uh, it's just a little bit of luck as well. Um, but then again, you create your own look sometimes. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's very important to gel with your team you know Oshin says that everybody gets on well and I think that's so important because you do see people not just in mountain biking and any kind of environment you see people coming out of certain teams and you know the next season or whatever they're whenever they're competing they're in a different team and they're a completely different athlete for the better <laughs> you know and I suppose that's yeah, just that's- the team dynamics you know it is, um, or it could be, um, 
and I, you know, you'd wonder is it maybe just a case that some bikes might not suit the individual? You know, you you look at some athletes this year that were doing well, and the year previously they had injuries, but media weren't aware that they had injuries. So there's probably an element to that as well. But equally, I think that's where youngsters need to start practicing and preparing that you're not going to get onto a team where everything's absolutely perfect. So you need to start practicing mentally um, how to perform. And it probably comes down to gratitude, really. You know, yes, you might not have the perfect team. You might not have the perfect tires, but be grateful. The fact that you can actually get there, I think, is probably a good start because that will keep you in a positive frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I think it's we're, we're, we're still living in a world of a lot of greed of in various aspects. And I think, you know, once greed is there, you're, you want more, you want more, instead of actually being grateful of the fact that, well, hang on, I've got a hell of a lot more than most. Um, and straight away, you can change your attitude by just simply even thinking that way. Um, it was like a picture I put up the Saturday night before the World Champs. You know, again, we were all getting sucked into, oh, could he win it? Will he win it? And I put up a picture of his very first race here in County Cork when he was only maybe five. And I always <laughs> had that photograph because for years, Ushin had always said that, you know, he wants to race World Cups. And I always said to him, I'll get you there. I'll get you to the start gate. And despite the fact that now we were at the start gate, but you can't lose track of the fact that you've got here. This is one of the goals. So be grateful for the fact that you're at the start gate and appreciate that at least. And then see what happens after that instead of letting the mind get carried away. Um, mm. you know, there's a lot of people out there that would give the right arm to go to a World Cup, never mind be at the start gate. And there's a hell of a lot more people inside in the hospital that will never get out of a hospital. So, you know, um, you can, I think you can, it's very easy to become greedy for, for a lot of other stuff, you know, and I don't yes. mean realistic things. I'm talking about entitlement almost, nearly a, a, an entitlement slash greed, you know? Yes. Yes, certainly. No, um, yeah, it would be very easy to do that and then drop the ball almost, you know. Yeah, exactly. And not yeah. stay at the top of your game, yeah. Um, so, guys, what's the off-season like for you? What's the plans for the off-season? Are you doing anything with YT? Have they training camps, anything like that? I plan on going away even by myself, doing some extra ones, but I am going away with YT and my mechanic to Spain at the after new year just to try out some new stuff get up to speed just get back with the team and get back onto quicker tracks yeah that'll be amazing are you looking forward to that oh yeah (laughs) yeah get to ride new bikes and new gear and and everything else and get that team dynamic built up yeah like do they do a training thing there do they you know, do they tell you how to train when you're there or do they just let you do your own thing kind of thing as long as you, you show up to meetings and show up to certain events? Um, they let us do our own training, supply our own trainers, do whatever we need to do during the off-season. But when we go, usually in March as well, we do a team camp just before the first World Cup and that's where we take. Just chill out really for a week before the first race with everyone. Yeah, sounds sounds very good, very good. Um, like, how are you balancing all this with school and stuff, Oshin? Like, how's your social life with all this now? Um, in school, the principal has been good enough to let me away with 
not doing as many subjects as what other people are doing. So I have more time to get all the work in school done. So when I get home, I can go straight to the gym and get training in the evening. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Has anybody asked you for an autograph at school yet? Uh, not in school. <laughs> <laughs> but elsewhere, right? Oh, yeah. I've gotten asked quite a few times. Wow, that's pretty crazy, yeah? Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. So where are you planning? You said you were going to go to some sports yourself in the off-season. Where are you planning? Can you let us know? Um, Spain's going to be the main one I'm going to be going to. And Portugal. Cool. Yeah. The trails in Portugal, I've never read there, but the trails in Portugal look amazing. Like, what's it like there to ride? Lausa is really good. I really like that spot. Yeah, yeah. You see, I think I want to retire in Portugal because there's surf and there's mountain biking, so it suits me perfectly. <laughs> and you've got Fatima as well, of course. <laughs> What's that? Sorry? I said you've got Fatima as well for us Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's classic it's great i've actually got a very good friend lives out there now um he's retired out there he used to be my old boss um but we've always been very friendly um That's so it might be able to... people yeah yeah the people are lovely there right Fab- fabulous yeah cool cool um so guys what's What's the plan for next season? Um, have you goals set aside yet or anything like that? Have you been talking about that? Yeah, I'd like to be the junior world champion again and win the overall. And that's your main focus? That's what you're focusing on? Or? Yeah. Yeah, very good, very good. And your training now in the off-season, you touched on it a little there, but has your training changed as you've got older, a little stronger and stuff? Are you Do you adapt your training all the time, your gym work and all that? Um, yeah, at the start of every season, I do my trainer, Fit for Racing, does a couple of tests like three rep maxes and other stuff. So you can just check how I am at the strength of the start of each season so you can work out the numbers throughout. Yeah, it's cool. And you've got your Gemini still at the house and things like that. and Yeah. Yeah, that's so handy, right? Like that makes a big difference. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, very, very good. Do you train every day? Um, About usually five times a week, like Monday okay. to Friday, sometimes four. It depends how right. tired I am. But then on Saturday and Sunday, I go out on the bike, which I don't really oh, call right. training because it's what it is. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Um, do you go? You don't go out on the bike through the week or anything? I suppose it's, it's so dark now in the evenings and stuff. Yeah, by the time we get home from school, it's usually dark. Yeah, yeah, okay. And Oshin, you're still enjoying the whole process, right? You're still loving this whole thing. Yeah. And you don't mind putting the work in. You you don't mind sacrificing other things for your goals and what you have planned. It's all part of it, and work. And it's all worked it in the end. Yeah, very cool, man. Very, very cool. It, uh, it sounds amazing. And Chris, how's how's Ballyhura been affected with the stuff? How's that been going? Um, obviously, with the first lockdown, everyone was, you know, we're sticking to the 2K rule and, you know, non-essential businesses closed because obviously back in March and April, 
nobody really knew what the hell was going on, you know. Um, mm. Then it opened up for the summer and it was quite busy for the summer um, because, again, a lot of people were tipping away at the outdoors and there was more walkers and obviously an increase in bikers as, as, as well as we know from the bike industry. Um, and then this lockdown, the, it probably wasn't as strict and I'm sure every town and village all over the country will tell you that there was still a lot of people moving around. But we closed simply because the majority of our business is beyond 5k and we just thought we would play our part as a business and not be encouraging people to go mountain biking or be tempting them to hire a bike when mm. we knew that they were probably going to be traveling from 5k so it allowed us as well then to catch up on jobs that were probably being put in the long finger so we kind of were able to justify it to ourselves from that point of view but the trail center was quite busy with walkers and bikers now again where they were just parking and doing their own thing you know but I suppose, look, if, if it means that people are in the outdoors and they're not coming close contact with each other, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with that either if, if it's keeping them in good spirits or they need it, you know, from a medicinal point of view. Mm-hmm. But the future is mm-hmm. good because, again, Quilcher are making massive changes to the trails nationally, as we know, from various trail centres and even technically pushing the, the grade a little bit. So there's a few changes to go on here um, over the next couple of months again. Um, so, again, good from a progress point of view. Yeah, yeah, happy days, happy days. And yeah, like we know that a lot of people have taken up mountain biking since the COVID thing and everything else. And let's hope a, a percentage of those stay and stay in the industry and upgrade and, and get out on the trails and stuff because we have just such we have so many great trails here and the talent's just getting better. So it's uh it's amazing to see. I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, look even as from a kid's point of view as well if you know if whatever numbers of kids take up bike and mountain bike and you know they won't all stick with it but maybe some will take up road biking so that they'll the sport will benefit and then maybe in a couple of years they might pack in road biking but because they've had an active childhood the reality is they'll probably just replace it for something else and that to me is probably better from a, a health benefit you know i know people going about the pandemic and stuff there's a bigger pandemic out there, which is sugar and junk food and lack of exercise. So yeah, totally. just get people out doing stuff. And I think you probably save a lot more lives in the bigger picture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to get you back on the show and uh, have a chat and get a catch up, Oshin, with how things were going over 2020 there and how you got on and everything that's happened. It's been pretty amazing for you, sir. How can people best, find you or follow you on socials where's the best place to, to find you at probably instagram for me okay all right cool cool all right and i'll put all the stuff on the show notes and so people can find you there guys thanks so much i'll not take up any more of your time this evening i appreciate you putting an aura aside washing because i know you were just out of the gym when uh, <laughs> when i was speaking to your dad there yeah uh, so go and get some food in you sir yeah um, but listen, Oshin, good luck for 2021, mate. I hope everything goes really well for you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it will. You don't really need much luck because you've got the talent. So um, good luck. I hope everything goes well. And enjoy your time, man. Enjoy that YT team. And enjoy everything that, you, that comes along with it. All right? So good luck, mate. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, bro. My pleasure. Thank you. That's a wrap for episode 170. I hope you enjoyed that, folks, and I hope you um, have been following Oshin through his 
career over these last few years. Like the young man is just doing amazing, absolutely amazing. And, and I hope that's helped you learn a little bit more behind the mindset and everything else that goes into being, even at 17 years old, that goes into being at this level of the game. Now, Oshin and Chris, I just want to say a big thank you for yourselves. You come on the show, pretty short notice, as always very professional and very punctual. So thanks so much for that. And I hope your 2021 season goes really well. I hope you do fantastic things and and all your visions and hard work and everything else that you've put into this come true in 2021 i have a funny feeling they will young man and uh, with your father behind you supporting you and all there i know things are going to go well for you so good luck now folks if you want to know a little bit more about what Oshin, Chris and myself chatted about, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtb-tribe.com. There's social links in there and stuff, just easy access for you to get in contact with Oshin and to find out more about YT, what he's doing with the team there. And there's a few videos and stuff there, just quick and easy links for you to access. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support, The best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Just take two minutes out of your day and go and give us a five-star rating and a nice review there because every one of your ratings helps. It boosts us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. And if you're not on Apple, don't worry. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean or whatever podcast platform you listen to your shows on. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show free from there. You can also subscribe and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show and a short synopsis of who the guest is for that week. You can also find us and get involved on social media. We are at mtbtribe on Instagram and Facebook. And if you prefer the old school method, you can email me on info at mtb-tribe.com. That's it for another week, folks. So thanks again for being here. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I do appreciate all your support. But as always, at the end of every show, it's always the same. And it's the most important thing is to get the bikes out, hit those trails and stay MTB stoked.